Welcome to another episode of Solly's Podcast. And our guest is Mr. Gray from Miami. Hello, Mr. Gray. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, your club residency at the 11. And okay. I would also like to talk a little bit about your uh, trip to Indy here a couple oh, yeah. of months ago. Yeah, that was fun. It was a fun night for sure. It's the one Saturday night I took off. So that was fun. <laughs> but tell us a little bit about um, your club residency at the 11 in Miami. Okay. Yeah. I've been there a little over eight years, basically two months after they opened, I kind of auditioned there through uh, my agency at the time and about 30 minutes into my set, a couple of the owners came up to me and asked me if I wanted to be there every week. And, uh, I definitely said yes. <laughs> and, um, pretty much I was a guest DJ for a little over four years, five years, um, every week, uh, on Mondays. And then it became like an official residency where I was doing, uh, more days throughout the week. So I ended up doing like Tuesdays and every other Wednesday. Originally it was just Wednesdays. And then I became the the quote unquote resident DJ that was there most of the night. And then I would, you know, we would have guest DJs in. Nice. So it kind of flipped the roles. I was still doing two guest DJ slots every, every month uh, as the headlining DJ, but it became more of a, solid residency where I'm doing a longer shift, but it was better for me, I think, because I got to hear other DJs more often and it helped out a lot uh, in that aspect because for a long time, I never really got a chance to hear other DJs. I'm constantly working, so it's- I really understand that. Go. Yeah, you know. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, they've allowed me to DJ with Drake and Cardi B and Marshmallow and Diplo and, you know, just tons of amazing artists. And honestly, they're, you know, they're extremely good when it comes to hospitality and uh, they definitely know what they're doing for sure. That's awesome. I've never been, but I have a feeling that I'm going to have to make a guest appearance at the 11 yeah, sometime soon. It's... um. <laughs> Like I always see the flyers and everything. And I'm like, I look at some of the acts that come there and I'm like, I got to go down there on a weeknight because it just looks like it's lit. I mean, from the yeah, pictures it's, I it's, see on Instagram and Facebook. It's a lot of fun. It definitely is. Even on the slower nights, it's still a lot of fun. We have, we definitely know how to have a good time over there. That's sometimes awesome. a little bit too much. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in these in this day and age, now that everybody's back to work, I think that's a good thing to um, be able to go out and have a good time. Because for a little while there, everything was kind of like what we're doing right now is just in front yeah. of a camera and you're playing music, and it's like I don't know what's next. So, yeah, it was definitely a weird time for everybody, and I actually made the best of it as uh, as a father. You know, like I was out of work for six months, but before I was working constantly. So, you know, physically I was with my kids a lot mentally. 
it was tough, you know, getting home at five o'clock in the morning and having to wake up at seven or eight o'clock in the morning is, is very hard to be, uh, you know, a present parent mentally, physically, you can be there, but mentally on three hours of sleep is, it's really tough. So I got to spend some really, really good quality time with my kids. So I was extremely appreciative of it. It was a hard time for everybody. You know, I, I got lucky with, uh, getting alone and, and other things like, you know, getting graphic design work and other, uh, aspects of making money, you know, just doing side jobs here and there, but you know, I did what I had to do to survive and now I'm here. That's always a good thing. I was off work during the pandemic for about nine months. It was the first, first it was 90 days and we went back, then everything closed down again. And then I took a six month hiatus and DJs don't usually like to take hiatuses that long. But now that I'm like in my early forties, it made me think about what do I really want to do with my career? when I'm done DJing or like, how do I want to evolve DJing? Not just from a nightclub perspective, but how do I want to present myself online? And that's one of the things that I kind of took a look at and, you know, developing a podcast was one of those ideas that I had other than that before, I probably would have never done something like that, but it's like that little small break. You start thinking about who can I connect with? It's like, I connect with a crowd with music, but who can I actually connect with? in this day and age. So it's, it's yeah. kind of been a blessing, you know? Yeah. Understandable. And, you know, some people didn't, you know, weren't that lucky or didn't take that time to make a positive thing out of a negative thing. And, you know, there were definitely days during that time that were not very positive, <laughs> but it's, it was tough. It was tough, you know, not having a, a steady stream of money and not, knowing if that will ever come back, you know, because a lot of things were up in the air for quite a long time. They did, had no idea what they were doing, you know, and it we're it's not like we're an essential thing. It's true. It's, you know, if anything, I, I think we are. I think people going out and, and kind of letting loose and enjoying themselves is essential to happiness ultimately. But in a, in real world, you know, nightclubs and DJs, it's, you know, it's, it's an extra, it's not essential. It definitely made me think about, you know, just the balance of, I work in a gentleman's club and I have for the last 15, 16 years, but I work at nightclubs here and there and regular bars and pubs, but it's like that little time away, it's like you really start to think about what's really essential and what's not essential and just how things were. But it's like, if anything, I think DJs got a chance to reestablish the fact of how you connect with the crowd and like that feeling of people being on a dance floor and you dropping a track that no one's ever heard and losing their minds. Like it's just, it's one of those things that, that keeps me going after the last two years. Definitely yeah. for sure. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about your visit to Indianapolis back here in March. Uh, you played at Club uh, Club Envy. Yes. And I got a chance to actually take the night off and come out and see you. And that was incredible. It was a lot going on that night. There was a lot of yeah, people sure. in the audience. I was like, wait a second. Is that who I think it is? 
And you're up there DJing, and I'm like, wait a second. That is who I think it is. And I'm like, there's just several people in the audience, and I'm like, which I'm going to add some photos to this. I kind of have okay, to. Cool. But uh, there's just a couple of things that, I mean, when I look back at the night, I'm like, wow, there's a lot of people here that I've seen that I don't normally see on a regular basis, but you probably see them all the time at the 11, I would, I would presume. Well, I mean, I guess they, they had a concert across the way at their sister venue and uh, it was like Chingy and Petey Pablo and uh, I forgot who else. I want to say um, Waka Flocka. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think it was like, I think it was Chingy's birthday. So I played more, old school hip hop than I probably would have played normally because going into the the night, it was, you know, they told me it was more up-tempo dance, stuff like that. And I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah. I can do anything that you ask me to do. <laughs> it's always you know? a good thing. Yeah. So I wanted to do what I do, but also, you know, make sure those guys, you know, Chingy and, and his crew, that we're spending a ton of money, we're happy. You know, I, I like all that, you know, uh, early two thousands rap and stuff. So it was, it was good for me to play it. I enjoy it, but the crowd in general was, it seemed like more of a younger crowd. So they were more into the, uh, EDM type stuff or like the new mumble rap type stuff. And, you know, I, I mixed it up pretty well, I think, and everybody had a good time. I I actually ended up hanging out with the owner and uh, a bunch of the staff and missed my flight. And oh, wow. In the airport. I waited in the airport for like 12 hours to get another flight. Oh, man. Yeah. So that was, <laughs> it was fun and not fun all at the same time. But it was like the worst weekend to, to miss a flight because it was uh, uh, March Madness plus spring break. So all the flights were packed. And it was like a cold snap too, because I remember it being like maybe 20 degrees or something really crazy in the middle of March. Yeah, and it, was, like, it was definitely cold. I was like, all right. It was, <laughs> you know, probably 45 degrees when I got off the plane, when I got there, something like that. But I love that weather. So it was good for me. Um, now, what kind of music do you play at um, 11? So at 11, we basically go with trends, you know, like, like a Vegas club or anything like that. We kind of follow the trends. Um, I'm, I'm able to go outside of that a lot of the time because uh, I have a lot of hours to kill and we are, you know, a top tier club in the world. So I'm able to push the boundaries a little bit, but for the most part, you know, like the last probably four years has been mostly hip hop and, and Latin, you know, I'd say probably 70% hip hop and Latin and then 30% dance top 40. Uh, now that house music is really surging. Uh, the last, I don't know, six months, it's been mostly house music. That's so, always a good thing. Yeah, I love it. You know, I get to the one thing I've really loved about 11 is I get to test out my new tracks on an amazing sound system. So it helps with that aspect. And um, 
I really can drop a new track that nobody's heard before and people will respond to it. If those of you don't know, uh, Mr. Gray is also a DJ producer and that's kind of how I've discovered you. Um, a couple of years ago, you did a remake of humble by Kendrick Lamar Mm -hmm. and I put it on one of my mixtapes. And I might have to like leave that in the comment description or something like that. But I was like, Mr. Gray, I've like, I've heard that name and we're in some of the same Facebook groups and things like that. And I'm like, I recognize that guy. And then it's like, I'm downloading music and I keep seeing your name. And I'm just like, I put two and two together finally after maybe a couple of years, but I'm just like, okay, now I know who he is. And then I'm thinking about the 11 and things like that. And I'm like, it's awesome. So to come see you play in my hometown, like that was such a cool thing to experience. Yeah, I wanna I wanna get back over there and, and play again. Uh hopefully I'll get something going for, you know, maybe the end of the year, October, November. I gotta talk to them and find out uh what their what their schedule's like. But I definitely wanna play there. I had a lot of fun and I, I really wanna play there on a night where there isn't chingy <laughs> and I don't have to you know, boost up the amount of hip hop that I play and I can kind of do what I do. Um, you know, I still did what I do, but I had to kind of tone it down based on the big spenders, which I understand completely because I've been dealing with that for most of my career, which is always a cool thing. Yeah. But you know, we'll see, we'll see what happens. I'll talk to them, uh, in the next couple of weeks and see if I can get back over there. Awesome. Um, you play at a couple of other clubs too. And I always, I, there's, I need to make a Florida trip soon and just go to a bunch of clubs because I haven't been to Florida in probably over 20 years, but, um, you work at some other clubs sometimes throughout the week. Yeah. So I do uh dare day club and dare night club sometimes. Uh, those are at the hard rock in Hollywood at the guitar. That's what everybody knows it by the guitar because it's a huge guitar hotel, okay. <laughs> which looks really amazing. Like they did such a great job with it. And the the club and the, the pool parties are really awesome there. And I actually got to DJ with Shaq there, which was pretty amazing. He is the most gigantic person I've ever met in my life. <laughs> <laughs> He's coming here for phone wonderland this weekend. Um, I have to work, unfortunately, but I imagine that's going to be a good time. It's like I watched him play basketball in college and the pros and like now he's DJing and I'm like, that's awesome. I mean, he's always been into music. You know, he came out with a rap album a long, long time ago. Um, And, uh, you know, he did a little guest verse on the Fushnickens track. I can't remember what the name of it is, but might have been what's up, Doc, I want to say. I think so. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm, I'm, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I know that was one of them because I had one on cassette tape. Like this is oh, like yeah. 92, 93 when he just got <laughs> to the NBA. And it's like, I remember having that cassette tape and I'm like, this guy's rapping, but he plays basketball. Like I've never really heard of anything like this. So it's yeah, it was it was kind of the first first time. I don't, I don't remember anybody that anybody that actually came out mainstream ish, you know what I'm saying? I'm sure there were basketball players doing like underground mixtapes or something, 
but you never know. Didn't Allen Iverson try to come out with like an album or something? I don't know. You might have. That's something I'm going to have to but, research. I mean, why not? Like if, if you like to do it and you have a name for yourself, you're going to make some money off of it. Even if it's not that good. That's you know, true. Might as well. I start to see there's a lot more celebrity DJs these days that. Oh, yeah. Which if you really think about someone who's an actor, them doing a them doing a DJ set is really not much far fetched. I know some people are just like in disgust because things like that happen. But I'm like. They research it like they would a part for a movie researching yeah. the music, how to put it together, because, I mean, it's that's I mean, DJing is pretty much the same as like doing movies because you're putting something together and you're presenting it to an audience and you're telling a story through music. At least that's how I think most DJs do it. And you can really tell in the music, especially when they're playing something that they're really passionate about. So it's like some people really get into their role, but I definitely can see that with the celebrity DJs. I don't think it's just people do it to do it, but there's, I don't know, there's a, a, a fun thing with DJing. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there are definitely people that are just there to do it to make the extra money and capitalize on their fame and their name and stuff like that, which you got to appreciate that. Why not? It's just like, you know, Jay-Z making his own liquor and, you know, he he's not a liquor connoisseur, but why not? Why not capitalize on your name? If I was as famous as a Jay-Z, I would be into everything possible. All he has to do is really pay somebody to do some research on something. Say, hey, is this a good business investment? Yeah. All right. Here. Here's $500 million. Right. Go invest it. You know what I'm saying? Why not? It's just like paying in it, you know, a financial investor to put your money into stocks. Why not invest in something that also is a part of what you do in general that got you there. Music, you know, music's played in clubs, clubs sell liquor. Why not? It's a good point. Makes sense. You know, and if you have a good name for yourself and you can travel the world playing music and having a good time, why not? You got one life, live it to the fullest, be happy. If you, if it makes you happy, then do it. Those are words to live by. Thanks. Like are, you shouldn't care what anybody else thinks. And those are the people that are usually successful that just don't care what other people think. They're going to do what they need to do to be successful and be happy. It took me way too long to figure that out. <laughs> I wish I, I wish I had figured that out when I was 15, but <laughs> such is life. Yes. DJing is one of those things that it's like, it's a love affair that we have with music and it's like, it's, a constant grind and I real I always say this I hear Gary V say it all the time you have to fall in love with the process because some people just fall in love with the end result yeah but it's the process that makes everything happen and like staying consistent like I try to be more of an open format DJ even though I work in a gentleman's club because when I play other nightclubs I want to be versatile with music same thing with content. And those are things that I kind of just look at, not just, okay, I've got one club residency and that's all I'm going to do. I have to network and kind of think about the DJing business a little bit different, especially after the pandemic. They're just, you kind of had to start thinking about other opportunities other than 
okay, what if I don't want to work at the same clubs anymore? What if I want to switch up? What do I need to learn? Um, what do I need to change about my style of content or how I put music together that will help me be able to benefit, you know, working at other places other than the, the ones that I have the last decade and a half or so. But uh, yeah. those are things that I look at. Yeah. DJ Platypus from Tootsies, he started, he went to Scratch DJ Academy to learn how to actually DJ, you know, how to put together a proper club set because he's been a, a strip club DJ for quite a few years and uh, he's never looked at it in that aspect. And uh, recently he started doing it because he started going out and seeing all these DJs and he was amazed. He was like, I want to do that. And why not go do it? And, you know, I'm, I'm all supportive of him and he's definitely got a good uh, ear for, for what's good and what, what can be played at a club. And, uh, he's got a few mixes on YouTube that are pretty good. So, um, I think he's, he's on the right track to, to being able to branch out from just being a strip club DJ. And I think a lot of strip club DJs are trying to do that because they want to do that too. Uh, you know, a lot of strip club DJs that I know originally started off as regular DJs. And then ended up, oh, somebody needs a DJ for, you know, blah, 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 strip club. And they ended up doing it. The manager liked them. They came on and they were making good money. So why not keep doing it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I've um, that has been me for the last 10 years or so. And then it's like, OK, I need to start buying gear. So then I started buying gear. And then learning how to use the gear in a setting of a strip club, which is completely different. And you really yeah. have to know your catalog of music, your audience, your entertainers. These are things that you have to know over and over again. And it's like now when I do a set at a regular club, I'm much more prepared because I'm looking at, okay, it's this many songs. I'm playing for this long. This is where I want to take the crowd. Because essentially you do the same thing in the strip club. It's just a little bit different. It's, you know, <laughs> you probably wouldn't play two ACDC tracks and, you know, a couple of EDM tracks behind it, like in a regular nightclub, but you might in a yeah. gentleman's club. So it just, it kind of changes a little bit. But one thing I'll say is it keeps me sharp on top of my music. So I mean, that's really the most important thing as a DJ, no matter where you're playing, is to make sure that you're on top of all your music. You're very organized. You know what to play, when to play it. You can look at the crowd, see if they're not into a song and be able to switch it up quickly. I mean, at a strip club, you have, what, three to three and a half minutes between yeah. songs. So you can't really switch it up quickly. But, you know... At a strip club, even at 11, we're, you know, we're not the main attraction. The main attraction is the women. So sec right. we're secondary. So the music in general isn't as important as making sure that dancers happy and dancing and, you know, making sure those guys spend money or girls spend money. <laughs> Could be, uh, you know, no discrimination here. Right. 
Um, but that's one thing that I tell people when they come to 11 for the first time and DJ, I'm like, look, just play good music. That's it. Like we're, we're secondary. The people that are coming here are here to see the strippers. Unless there's a big headliner, like a Tiesto or Marshmallow or something. They're okay. going there to see him more than likely. But there's still the pole, you know, the the dance floor, uh, well, the stage that the the dancer's dancing on. And it's that's that's the main attraction is the women. And more so in a, a normal strip club than eleven, but it's still the same basic thing. Okay. I never thought of it like that, but that's a good analogy. It's, um, I think when I think of a club like 11, you guys really have your pulse on like the house music and the EDM that's current right now in the market. And that's like, that's a good thing. And the reason why I say that is because it's, to me, playing music like that always is just good energy and it gets people going. Yeah, it always has, honestly. Even when rap was prominent over the last few years, I still, you know, the reason why Eleven liked me so much was because I was able to blend hip hop, top 40, dance music, Latin music in a high energy, up-tempo way for four plus hours. You know That's, what I'm saying? Just keeping the energy level up and making sure that I hit all aspects of popular music. And okay. that was, you know, I, I have a lot of edits that I made specifically for that, specifically for my nights at 11. I made a ton of hip hop house edits that appealed to both crowds. So, that helps me personally when it comes to what I'm going to create because I get to see what, you know, what works and what doesn't in a very popular club. That's a cool thing. It really is. Yeah. Like strip club, like strip club DJs, you can't really tell what the crowd is enjoying as far as music's concerned. So you don't really know unless you go out and, experience it at a club, but you can download the popular stuff or you can also have the ear for it and say, Oh, I really like this. And you can actually play new songs more often than I, because you are technically a secondary thing, unless you like also at the same time, strip club DJs, get on the mic and make sure the crowd gets into it. And if you're a good strip club DJ, you're, you know, cracking jokes and having a good time. And that's one thing I'm not good at. I'm horrible on the microphone. (laughs) (laughs) I, I shouldn't say horrible. I'm just not very comfortable because a lot of people, when I do get on the mic, they're like, why don't you on, on the mic as much? You sound great. And I'm like, yeah, well, when I mess up because I'm so nervous on the mic, you know, you're not going to think I sound great because, you know, one time, you know, one third of the time that I'm on the mic, I fumble my words or I my voice cracks or something like I'm going through puberty. And it's like, come on, man, like, can I catch a break? <laughs> but it's because I'm not confident in myself 
And that's why it gets into my head and then it's going to happen, you know, because I'm in, in my head about it. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that's, <clears throat> I won't say it's difficult for me because it's something that I've done the last five years since I've started mixing, but when I'm putting together songs and I'm mixing and I have to talk in between songs while I'm mixing on whatever count it is I'm doing, it's, that's the one moment that I get everything right with what I'm saying. If I try to say something else throughout, I'll mess it up sometimes. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know what? I'm just going to keep going with it just because most people aren't really paying attention. They just want to know the difference between songs. And that's pretty much it. And it's like, that's kind of what I focus on because it's like, I don't want a horrible transition and try to talk over it. Cause then it's just like, I want to hide for an hour or two. <laughs> yeah. Right. I have, um, 11 hour shifts that I work on Saturdays and Sundays, which is kind of nice because we get a pretty decent day crowd. And then you get people that come in around 11 PM midnight, something like that. And that's when it tends to get busier. So it's like yeah. a lot of music I save for later, or I might play a little bit earlier on and just see what works later in the night, depending on the crowd. Yeah. Also, when you're doing a set like that, like an 11 hour set, you can play the same songs over and over, not over and over. I shouldn't say that. You can play the same, same songs twice. You know, like if you get a, a big pop during the day, why not play, you know, the top 20 songs that are out right now during that time and then play them again later when it's busy again. You know, I find that with 11, I'm there 8 p.m. to about 9 a.m., 10 a.m., Ish. Wow. So I'm there for quite a long time. So I'm like, you know what? Why not? Why not play popular music? So I'll play popular music early, like hours before the, the headliner comes on. Cause I don't want to burn the headliner. Right. Um, so at like 11 or 12 o'clock I'm playing the really popular tracks that are out right now, like a craze do it and stuff like that where it's going to be four or five hours before you hear it again. Okay. Because there's nothing I personally hate more than, you know, a DJ playing a record half an hour before a headliner gets on. And then that headliner plays that same record 10 minutes into their set. It's very I true. I also really dislike headliners or guys that are c coming in and guest DJing knowing what I just played because they were standing right next to me and then playing that same song five minutes into their set. And I'm like, come on, dude, you couldn't have, you, you couldn't have picked a different song. I literally just played that. You heard me play that You're right here. <laughs> oh, it's wow. Like, All right, man. Like, I go into my sets, uh, not knowing what I'm going to play because every night and every crowd's different. I can play at the same club four nights in a row and every crowd's going to be different. It does not matter. So play crowds differently. Yes. You're going to play the same songs for the most part, because there's, you know, X amount of top 100 songs, X amount. There's only top, there's only a hundred songs in the top 100, obviously, but I'm saying, <laughs> uh, good times. Anyways, you know, there's only a, a certain amount of very, very popular songs that are going to get played. Right. And, I don't know where I was going with that. 
I messed myself up by saying X amount of top 100 songs. <laughs> no, I, I get what Whatever. you're saying. There's, you know, out of the top 100, every DJ probably has anywhere from like 30 to 40 songs that you're going to play and then something that goes along with it. What I find is yeah. I try to prepare my set for the entire weekend on things that I know usually work. And then depending on how my crowd is, when it gets lighter, I will switch things around. I tend to lean more towards EDM because it just works with the light show and everything and how the stages are made. Um, yeah. But it just really depends. I notice later in the night, keeping the energy high with a lot of the music is very, very important to keep people engaged, especially if I know that they've been bar hopping all night. They come to our club usually yeah. last, so the last two or three hours are the busy part. So that's when you want to, you know. Wake them up a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I try to do that on Saturdays. Sundays are a little bit more laid back, but it's still like the last night of the weekend for most people before they have to go back to work on Monday. So it's like usually on Sunday, I kind of chill for a little bit, and then I kind of let loose because – it's like it's Sunday. It's the end of people's uh, weekend, so they're ready to go back to work. Hopefully, they come back and see us again. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for a while, 11 was definitely like the after-hours spot. Our pop would be like 4 or 5 in the morning. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, we would. So, I mean, it would normally be decently busy, but – a lot of people would come after the club. Uh, the cl the other clubs closed around downtown Miami or South Beach or whatever. But South Beach has really fallen off a lot. There's not really a lot of stuff going on. Uh, it happened during quarantine. You know, a lot of a lot of places closed down and nobody really opened up anything because there's not as much tourism as there was before the pandemic, which is unfortunate. But that's uh, unfortunately a part of what happened. Right. So we don't really get a big pop anymore at the end of the night. Our busiest time is on a Thursday. It's probably 1 a.m. to about 5 a.m. Okay. Um, and then it kind of trickles out after that. There's not really a lot of people coming in after, after 5 in the morning. But, you know, uh, our guest DJs, usually keep the energy pretty high. They go on from 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. normally. And then I usually end the night with just house music. Like, usually stuff I downloaded that day. I, I want to play all the newest shit. Like, you know, just testing stuff out, seeing what works. Um, and I, I, you know, I could just kind of have fun for myself. It's always a good thing to do as a DJ. And it's fun to just include new records just to see how everybody likes them you know like yeah. the new drake album <laughs> i have to uh, mention it uh yeah last night i had a girl come up to me and say hey do you take requests i'm like yeah of course uh she kind of chuckled a little bit what do you think about the new Drake album? I'm like, all right, here we go. <laughs> I'm like, uh, it's kind of boring. It's not club music. You know, there are some good records on there, but I think I honestly think he was just trying too hard. You know, it's basically passion fruit 
10 times in a row. And then one rap record with 21 Savage, which I kind of like most that people, one. I like the record. It's a great record. And there are good records on that album. I just, I, I haven't listened to it fully. I skimmed through it and, uh, you know, maybe I need to take a deeper look into it, but I played a couple edits. Uh, Beat Breaker already came out with something. Um, and Wax Motif, I think, did a couple remixes of his records already. Um, so I, I played those and they went over well, but they're not they're not club records by any stretch. Uh, you know, good opening records. I think so, too. I think I wound up playing... Um think two or three sticky is one of them um texco green and there's another one that's kind of upbeat housey it might be flights booked or something like that but those are all records that i played on a sunday because i just feel like it kind of fits for like a sunday afternoon or a sunday evening they could play something like that saturday there's like a plethora of drake records that you could just put on and the club's just gonna go crazy wherever you are, especially if it's a really good remake too. So those yeah. are those are things that I kind of like looked at, but I wanted to just try it out just to see how it is. But there's a lot of other songs that I wanted to break in too. So it's kind of one of those things I was like, I'll throw in some stuff at the end of the night and early Sunday and see how they work. Yeah, side note, I got zero response out of both of the Drake records that I played. Even the girl, didn't even notice. I'm like, Dude, oh, wow. really? Like she, no reaction, zero reaction from her. I'm looking at her like, are you even going to acknowledge that the song's on right now? <laughs> uh, I think people just want to request things to request things. Like I, um, I agree. The whole bad bunny. Oh, <laughs> bad bunny, bad bunny. Like, oh, come my. on. Like, it's like a viral trend and it's the stupidest thing. I just, I, I laugh and give a thumbs up every time somebody does that. That's it. I don't acknowledge them after that. I can because understand I'm that. sure like one fifth of those people actually want to hear bad bunny. Right. You'll have to do a bad bunny guest mix. I probably yeah, right. don't play enough bad bunny. <laughs> and I'm just kind of like, I see the memes and I'm like, okay, but bad bunny actually has really good music and I probably need to play a lot more of it. It's just searching for tracks like that. And a lot of that's still very high energy music and some of its house yeah, music. I mean, Bad Bunny, Bad Bunny has a lot of great records, you know, new, old, whatever. Um, it's just knowing which ones are the, the most popular ones and me not knowing any Spanish at all, it's hard to tell what they're even talking about. So I can't base it off of what the song's about because I have no idea what it's about. I mean, I guess I could use Google Translate or whatever, but. Right. I don't know. It's it's one of those things where a lot of times, and I'm pretty sure you've had, you have this happen to you, DJing. It's like some music you have to do a little bit of research before you play it. It's like, you know how to fit into what you're doing, your game plan, but it's like there's a little bit of research that you want to do behind the artist, behind this particular genre, just because, so you at least know a little bit more about it. Like, you know, 
I tend to play progressive house a little bit more nowadays than I used to beforehand, just because it's something that kind of fits in with a lot of like mainstream house music that's out right now that um, I would say is probably more top 40 or something like that. But there's just certain records that feel good in the gentleman's club that that's the one place that you can play it. You might hear it in certain types of nightclubs that play more EDM, but not every club. So that's one of the things that I kind of like about breaking in new records like that. So. Yeah, I mean, when I DJ at Monroe's up in West Palm or Aura um, or Vixens, I play all house music and, you know, uh, Jimmy, uh, I don't know if you know Jimmy Boucher, from Monroe's, but he's, he's a resident DJ there. He's, he plays amazing house music there. You know, he plays a great selection of house music and he's always on point with, with all that stuff. So I, I'll usually come in like an hour early, uh, which is very rare for me. I don't usually go like come into the club early, but I go there because I know I'm going to hear good music and I'll go. I, I want to hear good music, you know, so I'll, go and enjoy an hour of music and then go do my thing and be inspired by, you know, the person opening up. That's good. But it's, you know, it's kind of rare because if I go play at a open format club, I basically already know what I'm about to hear. True. You know, if I, if I go in an hour early, I'm going to hear, you know, uh, 10 year old Beyonce records and, you know, T.I. bring them out and, you know, stuff like that, which is great. I enjoy it. But unless you're doing something that I can't do, it's 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 whatever. I agree with that. And the funny thing is I had last Friday off and I thought about going to see DJs and going to listen to some music. But nobody that, like I posted on Instagram and Facebook and nobody really gave me a spot that I was like, oh, man, I need to go there to hear it. So I just stayed home. <laughs> I had a Friday night off and enjoyed my night home. That's um, Friday nights off are such a blessing as a DJ when you have them. When you have to yeah. work them all the time, it's I'm blessed to only have to work Saturdays and Sundays. Like I have an event coming up next Friday, uh, July 1st. But it's nice to have a couple of Fridays off before you prepare for a show. You know, yeah. this is something I know what the genre of music, I know what I'm going to kind of play a little bit. And I'm just kind of, there's a lot of tracks that I've heard that I don't know if I want to put in my set or not. And I'm just kind of like somewhat still decided. So. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, the, the way I prepare for any like special shows is um, if I'm doing a two hour set, I'm just putting together about 200 songs and I separated by genre. Like I already know if I'm going to just do a two hour set, that's easy for me. So I don't really have to prepare too much. I like to play a lot of my own edits. So uh, I'll throw a lot of my own edits and, you know, DJ Smash has been doing a lot of really good edits recently. Rivas, I play a lot of his stuff. A lot of the Club Killers guys make really good stuff. DeVille always you know, coming through with really good stuff. So I'll put a lot of their edits and, and remixes into, into 
the the folder when I'm getting prepared for a set that I, it's only like two hours. I need to get back to some of those subscriptions. Um, when you start mentioning yeah, a lot of those DJs, took them off. Yeah, a lot of people took off the subscriptions during the quarantine, and you know, uh, I'm sure that headliner and DMS and Club Killers and all those guys they they dropped in subscriptions probably by fifty to sixty percent at least because nobody was working. So it's like, why am I going to pay thirty forty dollars a month for something that I'm not using right now? When you I already probably have a. A, a bunch of songs that you haven't even probably played at a club. And I think that's kind of every DJ during quarantine. It's like there's, I'm sitting on so much music that I haven't even played yet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I actually try to download only songs that I'm going to play. So a bunch of people that I know, they just download gigs and gigs worth of songs and they want to have every edit of, all the songs. And I'm like, yeah, that's too much. I'm good. I don't need to bog up my external or my hard drive with 40 remixes of the new Medusa record. I'm good. <laughs> There's probably two or three that I'll play consistently. And that's it. If I hear another one out of the blue and I like it, I'll play it. But for the most part, I don't need a bunch of different edits. I can just, definitely understand that. It's just too much. It's too much to go through. I don't have that kind of time. I got kids. I got, you know, other stuff that I'm doing on a regular basis. And I barely have time to download music as it is, let alone sit around and listen to edits for three to four hours. Because I feel like that's about how long it really takes for you to just like, you put stuff together and then it's like, okay, I want to put it in my set this weekend you find out whether or not it works and setting cue points. It's, it's a lot of the process of DJing is a lot more than what people realize when we put stuff together, especially if you're going to clubs where you just put something on a thumb drive and that's all you have in your headphones, or if you're just bringing your laptop and using whatever DJ program, it's, there's a lot that goes into preparing a set that I don't think most people realize. And once you oh, know your, sure. Once you know your venue and you've been there a couple of years, you kind of know the trends with music and you know the customer clientele, you know what's going on. And those are like, those are the good parts. But at some point, I think too much music is just too much music. It's like, you know, you're scrolling for something and it's yeah. like, I forgot what I was looking for. And it's like, you know what? I'm just going to go with what works. Yeah. What I tell people uh, is, Go through your history over the last year, create a folder, drag all of your history in there, and then see how many songs you actually play in a year. And then go see how many songs you have in your library. And it's usually like they play maybe 150th of the amount of songs that they have in their library. It's like, what are you doing with all that music? You don't need that. Oh, what? Special request? Come on. Really? <laughs> really? So that's, I started doing that probably six, seven years ago where every year I would wipe my drive. And uh, this was when I was only using my internal drive. I would wipe my drive and I would, I would take the last year of music and put that into a folder on my external, wipe my drive and then drag that folder 
onto my desktop and boom, there you go. You just, you know, cleared up your a ton of hard drive space because you're only playing maybe 2000 or 2,500 records. Like when you think about it, that's a lot of, that's a lot of music. It's a lot. Of, like if you add it up, let's say you play a minute and a half of each record and you have 2000 records, that's, you know, 3000 minutes of music. That's a lot yeah. of, that's a lot of time. It is. And it's, yeah, it's definitely a lot of time. What is that? 50 hours? I don't know. I'm not, I'm still waking up. My math's not good. <laughs> I am too. I haven't even had coffee yet. So you're ahead of me. Well, <laughs> Mr. Gray, uh, thank you for being a guest on Solly's podcast. And hopefully you'll be back sometime in the future. Hopefully you'll return to uh, Indianapolis and play at Envy. Yeah, yeah. I'll keep you posted on that. Uh, I'm going to contact them soon and, and see what they have going on for the, the early winter I don't know how, you know, how it is over there during the winter times. I'm sure it gets really cold. So a lot of people, I don't know. I don't know how it is. People still party. They do still party when it's cold out, which is the craziest thing. I just want to stay home and, and get under the covers with a fireplace going, you know? Oh, for sure. <laughs> I'll definitely have to make an appearance if you play um, at Envy again, whether in the crowd or in the booth, one or the other. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the booth isn't that big, but you're definitely more than welcome up there always, for sure. Awesome. Well, Mr. Gray, thank you for being a guest on Solly's podcast. Folks, we're going to yeah, get man, out of here. for having me. We're going to leave some uh, links in the description below on this podcast with Mr. Gray. And follow him on Mixcloud and Instagram, I'm sure. But that's going to do it for Solly's podcast. Cool, man. Thank you.